Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. I am talking with my friend, and he is that, my friend, for a very long time, Dr. Marty Becker. He calls himself America's veterinarian, I'd argue world's veterinarian, and you just traveled, Dr. Becker, halfway across the world. Now, you've done that many times. You've been to, and you'll tell us in a moment, like four zillion countries. I didn't even know there were that many countries as to the number of countries you've been to, but this trip had to be unique. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, it was unique in our in our 45-year marriage that I didn't even tell my wife I was going to Romania and Moldova to help Ukrainian vets. <laughs> and, yes. And she, she happened to go to lunch with my granddaughter and came back two hours later. I said, Teresa, I bought tricks to Romania. Uh, I won't go into exactly what she said, Steve. <laughs> but We can't uh, say that on the radio, probably. I can't say on the radio. No, she, she was worried about me. You know, thinking about Ukraine, and sure. then she just thought it was kind of a spur of the moment. Like, are you in a manic phase? <laughs> Why are you going to Ukraine? Yeah, but I'd been I'd been watching the news and thinking I can help. Now I, now I can't help. I'm as a technically as a veterinarian, I'm below average. Like I'm not going to go do some surgery nobody else can do, or you know, there's a sick pet that nobody else could figure it out. Now that's not going to happen. But what I th- thought I could do was look at it on a bigger picture. Uh, They're seeing the Romanian Veterinary Medical Association. What strains are veterinarians seeing from all these pets coming in? I was able to meet with them. I was able to meet with a couple veterinary schools about animal handling. Uh, All animals coming from Ukraine is not a, pardon me, a rabies-free country. Moldova and Romania are, and the rest of, of Western Europe is rabies-free. Well, rabies is scary for not just pets, but livestock and people. Yeah. So they have to be quarantined for 21 days. How do you, how do you quarantine 700 dogs in a country that doesn't have the infrastructure? It's not like they can go to area shelters or boarding facilities because there are none. And so I helped with things like that. But I, but I did get to the border, too. I did get right down there in the trenches. I I wanted to see what was happening. I wanted to see the groups that were there. And Steve, it, it touched me at a deep soul level to see the, the things that people that had very little would do to help. And, you know, I, I'm sure Robin and you have had discussions, you know, the canoe tips over, you know, who, who saves Phyllis, right? <laughs> and I actually saw the, the extremes that people go to risking their life or their own well-being for their pets. Yeah, you, you, by Phyllis, I think you meant our dog, Ethel. Uh, oh, I meant who Ethel. Is the, that's Sorry. okay. Who is the stick-carrying dog who you love so much on Instagram, who've since passed away, unfortunately, as you know. But uh, I, I understand your point. I mean, you must have witnessed the intensity of the human-animal bond. I'm thinking that you never before in your life have seen. I'll give you an example. I see a family coming off. So there, there's very few bridges. The, the, the Danube forms the, the border between Bulgaria and Romania, so the south of Romania. Then it comes up right where Moldova and Ukraine and Romania meet there on this delta. And so the transportation across was on, was on ferries. And when I saw – well, part of the story is humorous and part is really – is really poignant. The ferry comes across. These cars get off uh, uh, first, 
And they line up to go through this border control. And as they came, everybody in this whole little village of sorts, you know, there's the Red Cross there, there's UNICEF, there's World Vision. All of a sudden, this community comes alive and they head down towards these people. And the cars that were lined up, there's people going along with plates of sandwiches and water and coffee and uh, wet wipes and all sorts of things. And there was a car there. They had just limited the number of pets that could come in. Five pets per person could come in from Ukraine. Steve, there was a car with twenty, with five people and twenty-five dogs in it. Wow! They, they weren't they weren't massive sized dogs, but when the plate of sandwiches came by, uh, they these the dogs shifted to the one side, <laughs> and uh, the whole car the whole car moved. <laughs> yeah. This all of a sudden, this one dog's, you know, all of a sudden his neck became like telescopic and it went out there and it grabbed like six sandwiches off the plate. And, uh, and then there was all, you know, there was some laughter, there was some trepidation because these were meant for people in there. But, um, I, I never afraid. It was like a canine clown car. That's all I could describe it. There was, uh, I, I never heard any scuffles or anything in there, but, you know, back behind them, about 15 minutes behind it, there came a, a lady that's probably in her late 30s. She had a Doberman with a really friendly Doberman, had a muzzle on, which is not, as you know, Steve, it's not uncommon in Europe to see mm-hmm. dogs walking with a muzzle. It had, They had a, a, a girl that was probably my granddaughter Reagan's age, probably 12 with a backpack with a little bubble window with a cat inside. And a little girl with that stereotypical hamster cage that's plastic with, you know, kind of uh, pastel reds and greens and stuff. And they were they were going through and come to find out their husband had been out of the country. And so this was going to be the first time in a month they had seen the husband or the father. And, and the, he was there with his dad. So been their granddad or father and father-in-law. But uh, that dog, when they when they. I talked to that little girl about her hamster and she said that, uh, this is my best friend. You know, I was able to save my best friend and, mm. and I'm thinking, okay, I got dust in my eyes, you know, <laughs> I'm getting all choked up. And then they, they finally get through customs and they surge together. And that dog stood up that door, my back legs and gave dad, uh, what could be described as a tonsil swab, you know? And then the, the little girl was talking about her cat. And then I saw the dad get down on one knee and the little girl hold the hamster cage up, you know, for, for him to look at. And, and you just realize that was the nuclear family, Steve. That was it. They had walked, you know, they weren't a wealthy family. They weren't dressed well. Um, who knows what all, I didn't see any luggage with them. I don't know if they brought anything or not. All they had was those three pets. Mm-hmm. But then to see that family unit come back together. You know, that dog met his met dad again, the little girl with the hamster, that kind of stuff it has really touches you, man, at a deep soul level, Steve. You and I have a mutual friend, veterinary. We have lots of mutual friends, but one of those is veterinary behaviorist, Dr. Karen Overall. And years ago, and I know how you've been impacted, you know, you, you see her speak at a conference and she'll say something and you're impacted by that. One of those one, one thing she said, I know, has changed your life and has changed veterinary medicine. We'll get to that in a bit. But she once said at a lecture several years ago that our pets can also have post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome. I wonder how you feel about that, having been to a place where if any place on the planet where pets might have post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome, that would be it. 
We'll get back to that and hear what your view is when we come back on WGN. Dr. Marty Becker, often called America's veterinarian, but most of all, I call him a friend. We'll talk about the Fear Free Initiative, Fear Free, and how this has changed the world for your pets, whether you know it or not. I mentioned before the commercial break that I was at a talk that veterinary behaviorist Dr. Karen Overall gave. I don't know. It might have been 10 years ago, even. And she said our pets can have post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome. And everyone at that time, everyone's eyes like, what? Eyes got real big. You could see in their faces like, what are you kidding? Can this be? Having been to the part of the world that you were just at, the border of Ukraine and Romania, and seeing all these animals after bombing, after bombing, after bombing, and all these people coming back, or at least getting out of the country, what do you think? It has to be. You, you know, we think of uh, uh, pets with noise phobias, you know, thunderstorms, 4th of July, hunting season up in northern Idaho. Think of, think of artillery. Think of bombing. And then and the pets even that were taken down in those subways, you know, you would see stuff in Kiev and stuff of these pets coming down there with these other other pets and people. I, I met a gal in Moldova whose husband, he'd lost one arm in an agricultural accident, so he didn't have to serve in the in the military. Mm-hmm. He could he didn't have to stay inside of Ukraine. And their village was being was being uh, shelled, and they made a run for it, and, and he got killed. Hmm. The dog j- jumped across a large ditch towards anterior cruciate ligament. So there was a practice in Moldova that was doing free veterinary care, c- courtesy of World uh, World Vets. And I, it was funny to see the the pet no longer wanted wanted to sleep separately. You know, it wanted to sleep with. Uh, the the mom or the kids mm-hmm. and they just think about what that what that pet goes through you know because you know he's it, it was a daddy's dog and it saw it saw you know the yeah. end of that bond i just can't imagine it, steve i i you know i've been privy and partnered to that emotional side from when my dean leo bustad talked about the human animal bond so on one side you see this tremendous affection connection that side that side that you shared with Ethel, uh, that you shared with your cats, and then this other side, that side of of trauma. Um, I, I once lectured, I don't maybe just think of this, Steve, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I lectured at the Smithsonian Institution one time, and a, a knitted brow intellectual, a literally almost like one of those, those uh plaid you know kind of wool suits from scotland and <laughs> he had a vest on and, and he was smoking a pipe it literally he yeah. could he could have been it was, yeah. he didn't have a pipe but he could have been and he was saying that pets didn't uh, animals didn't have emotions like humans did and i was on the other side saying that they did have emotions and and let's just say i got the crowd going you know he was giving all these reasons why we anthropomorphize everything <laughs> and all i said Hey, any of you that have a pet out there, have you ever come home late and ha- having interacted with another dog uh, or cat and your pet greets you in the door and they're like, where have you been? <laughs> you sure. Know? And of course the crowd goes wild. But he, he, yes, Steve, they, I was taught in veterinary school four years ago that pets didn't feel pain. Animals didn't feel pain. <laughs> How crazy is that? 
Well, and right. We know yeah. otherwise today. It's we know not otherwise. Even, it's not even opinion. Now, uh, let me ask you, because the, the transition can be made here rather easily. Well, our our pets, I hope, on a daily basis don't have post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome, certainly can cover uh, suffer from any number of anxieties, either low-level anxiety or greater, like separation anxiety, thunderstorm anxiety. Tell me about fear-free happy homes. Well, you know, the, the great thing about fear-free happy homes is it's a complimentary resource for people. I would say the target audience is people that think of their pets as family or children. And if you happen to have two-legged children in your family, whether it's your own or nephews or nieces or grandkids or anything, you, you know we want to look at both their physical and emotional well-being. Just if they're healthy, but they're having, you know, trouble at school or having, uh, you know, difficulty learning or with their friends, uh, of course we take care of that. It's the same thing with, with animals. They have a, if they, when they go to, here's the thing too, Steve, when they go to the doctor, uh, go to the veterinarian, they typically have some kind of itis. If it's not for routine care, it's, it's dermatitis, it's otitis for ears, it's periodontitis teeth, it's mm-hmm. cystitis for bladder. They associate the pain with the person in the place because they, they're taken against their will. They don't know why this benefits them to stick a needle in their abdomen and draw urine out. How would they know how that helps them? So, of course, they have, uh, they have PTSD. And Fear Free Happy Homes is a great resource. to it, it helps you remove or reduce the fear, anxiety, and stress triggers. It helps you look for procedures and, and even pharmaceuticals like it's not, I don't know when this will air, but, but 4th of July is coming up. And if you think about noise phobias, we've got some great solutions. There's a product called Celio available mm-hmm. from your veterinarian that works really well. They don't have to suffer for four days and you know, it's coming up every year. Uh, so, you know, it's a great resource to find out information that you then can take to your veterinarian uh, for some real prevention or solutions. So that product again is called Celio. By the way, to be clear, Fear Free Happy Homes is a website. It's fearfreehappyhomes.com. And it's all based, and we only have about two minutes here, Dr. Becker, on the initiative that you began called Fear Free. Tell me about that. It's funny how you, you do. You know, here I am, 68 years old. It was I was 55 years old, honestly sitting in a lecture hall expecting to leave early because I was going to go uh, meet my wife early for supper. And is one of those lectures that changed your life. It was Karen Overall that you spoke of. Mm-hmm. And her opening line was, fear is the worst thing a social species can experience and it causes permanent damage to the brain. And her second line was, those of us in veterinary medicine are causing repeat severe psychological damage to pets by what we're doing or not doing. And, you know, we have both have a fondness for board of veterinary behaviorists. There's about 100 of them. They have the education, the training, and the experience. They just never had a voice. Uh, board of behaviors are the bedrock of fear free. Every single thing we have is reviewed by board of behaviors. I call it board of believable. You know, <laughs> it's based on science. Yeah, uh, but but in a in a way that's not a it's not a nerd read for sure. And you began it by saying pets don't have to be terrified about going to the veterinarian, and then it expanded. Dog trainers don't have to terrify pets in the way they train dogs. In fact, that that does not work very well at all, aside from it being inhumane if they're not using positive reinforcement. Dog groomers can do better. Veterinary schools can teach better. Dr. Becker, you've changed the world, really, because what has happened is 
everyone, and I mean everyone in veterinary medicine and way beyond around the world, have now embraced this idea. And yes, one could say, well, we should have thought of it 50 years ago, but we didn't. And you were the guy who did, and you were the guy who promoted it, and you were the guy who has made that change. I just wrote in an email that I know you saw that Dr. Marty Becker has in 42,351 ways, changed the world for veterinary medicine, but also for our pets. I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Steve. You know, we all have our gifts. My gift is to help popularize and add add energy to something, but Fear Free is we, and, and, and you're part of that. We have 12 PhD behaviorists. We have 12 boarded anesthesiologists. That's the thing I want people to know. It is based in science. It is proven protocols. Yes, it's the right thing to do. We know how to do it now. Now we just have to make sure that this spreads through all animals, uh, not just not just dogs and cats and horses and avian, but dairy cows and and pigs and all other animals, whether it's wildlife or anything, yeah, I know you're working to be healthy and happy. Yep, I know you're working with Dr. Temple Grandin on doing just that. Dr. Becker, I wish I had more time always to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, friend. Happy Independence Day. Happy July 4th. Tomorrow's the big day. And it's not that our pets aren't patriotic. Now, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, I talked about how you can counter-condition and desensitize and do what is behavior modification. Well, it's kind of too late for that now. In fact, depending on where you live, you're probably hearing fireworks already, and your pet may be diving under the bed. So contact your veterinarian. There are psychopharmaceuticals, and I'm in favor of this. I mean, these animals that are terrified. Listen, if your dog is just not happy and finding a nice, safe corner to quote-unquote hide in, I'd say leave well enough alone. But for dogs dogs that are shaking, are losing bladder control, are just absolutely inconsolable, then what I say is please, please contact your veterinarian tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and say, you know what? My dog is inconsolable. What can I do? Because there are products out there. They're heavy hitters, but it's better than having a panic attack. And these dogs, by the way, are actually having panic attacks. I would argue it's inhumane to do nothing. So please, if your dog is one of these dogs or some cats, absolutely terrified out of their minds, then Yes, please step up and do something. You know, sadly, people still do this. So the good news is more people than ever before are, we're taking our dogs with us all sorts of places. But then we run into a store, we leave the dog in the hot car. Dogs do die in hot cars. They they do. And I don't know how we think that doesn't happen. So if it's just 75 degrees outside, inside the car, in a matter of 15 minutes or so, It will be 90 degrees, and most dogs don't do well in 90-degree temperatures, especially if there's no air moving, and then you think, well, I'll, I'll open the window a little. That'll help. Really, that doesn't help very much, if at all, and dogs do die of heat stroke. That does happen because dogs don't sweat it out like we do. They, they're, they're inefficient, actually, with dealing. So even a little dog, and by the way, older dogs have more difficulty uh, big dogs, and I'm talking about overweight or obese dogs, they have more difficulty. And big dogs, meaning just big dogs, 
of the St. Bernards of the world, the Mastiffs of the world, the, the Bull Mastiffs, they have more difficulty. Any just big dog has more of a problem. And certainly the brachiocephalic breeds, those are the ones that have the pushed-in faces. They look like they walked into a wall, whether it be even a little Shih Tzu or a Pekingese, and most certainly Bulldog or French Bulldog. They have huge issues even walking around the block if it's really hot outside. So my two words, final words, be careful. We'll talk to you next week bright and early right here on WGN.